Hello, and welcome to Dispel Magic, the podcast where we overthink how the magic of D&D might shape your campaign setting in surprising and unexpected ways. I'm Benjamin, game designer and writer. And my name's Dane. I'm a dungeon master, podcaster, and voice actor. Uh, Benjamin, we've been friends for a while, right? At least an hour. At le- <laughs> for at least the last hour. Yeah, for at least... Um, you, were, you were my first... Dungeons and Dragons Dungeon Master. Oh. Did you know I didn't, that? I don't think I did know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, years ago when we met, we met through gaming. Yes. And mm-hmm. we played Exalted, mm-hmm. I think. For No, we, we played a version of Pathfinder where I was a half-orc gunslinger. Yeah, yeah. I, Do you that, slightly just, remember that one? Distantly recall that. I, I more remember a fake game where you were some kind of archaeologist with an English accent. That's right. Um, which was very embarrassing because I didn't know one of the other players in the group was actually English. Uh, so that, oh boy. Yeah. R- really, so I, w- I wouldn't need a charm person spell on you, but maybe on on uh, our other friend there at that time, you know? Am I right? Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> Which is a really natural segue into <laughs> the topic of today's episode, which is Charm Person. We are talking about Charm Person today. What what made you uh, particularly choose this spell for this episode? Well, it's a first level spell, so it's something that is going to see a lot of play. A lot of people, I think, probably take Charm Person as a as a low level character when they're first building their character. And I also think the spell has like a weird rap where people assume the spell does stuff it doesn't. I really just wanted to dig in on what it does do and also what yeah, as we talk about in the show always what, what the can what yeah, do. what what the implications of what it does are. The implications. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, charm person, it's kind of on the label, right? You charm the person, but there's extra mechanical things attached to what that means yeah it's an interesting spell and it it's very much one of those boilerplate D D kind of spells right. yeah i want to i want to do social manipulation i'm taking charm person and i'm taking friends and i'm running with it. yeah yeah it's a classic illusionist enchanter pick well let me get down to the nitty-gritty of the spell. Charm Person is a first-level enchantment spell available to bards, druids, sorcerers, warlocks, and wizards. It takes an action to cast, it has a range of 30 feet, and a duration of one hour, or at least one hour. The spell text says, You attempt to charm a humanoid you see within range. It must make a wisdom saving throw, and does so with advantage if you or your companions are fighting it. If it fails the saving throw, it is charmed by you until the spell ends or until you or your companions do anything harmful to it. The charmed creature regards you as a friendly acquaintance. When the spell ends, the creature knows it was charmed by you. At higher levels, you can target more than one creature, so you can charm a whole group of people. And I think it's important that we, because it references the charm condition, I just want to spell out exactly what that means because i think a lot of people have interpreted this spell as being mind control and it's it's not that a charmed creature can't attack the charmer or target the charmer with harmful abilities or magical effects 
and the charmer has advantage on any ability check to interact socially with the creature. Right. So a, a lot of times when I see this get cast, it's kind of played as, oh man, we're best friends. I'll do whatever you want. I, yeah. I, lo- I, I love you. I'm in love with you. All yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. Um, when really, you know, you're trying to persuade this person, you're trying to intimidate this person, you're trying to do all of these things that now have advantage rather than just going with it. And that person is still going to have like hard lines of stuff they won't do. Right. Like it, it, they regard you as a friendly acquaintance and you have advantage on social ability checks against them. But social ability checks don't make someone do something they would never consider doing. I had a situation where one of my bards was trying to, he cast charm person on a cleric in a church to pay for his lesser restoration spell. He was looking Mm -hmm. to get restored. He was cursed and he was like, Oh, you, you can, you can pay for my thing. And the guy's like, uh, you know, I like you, but I'm not, I don't have that much money. I'm, I'm a poor cleric. Like I'm not going to be paying for, for this spell for you. So, you know, I, I think the, the player kind of was like, well, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) Charm. Yeah, that's that's a really good actual example. And I think, yeah, maybe if you charm the bartender, he'll give you a free drink mm-hmm. or something. But he's not just going to let you have the run of the place. Yeah, yeah, have the run of the place. Like you're a friendly acquaintance. You're not he, like he doesn't think of you as a god or somebody who he has to appease. It's he's just not in your life debt. The expected uses of this spell. I, I mean, we kind of already talked about that is to do a con without actually having to be good at doing a con. Oh, I would want, I want to short. Wavy. Yeah. I want to, I want to shortcut all the parts where I'm building confidence and just get straight to the, to the part where I'm ripping them off. Well, the spells <laughs> is good for that. I do think probably at least half the time people are casting the spell just to get access to a place, like casting it on the guard to like let them in without a fight or whatever else. For sure. The front desk persons, you don't have an appointment. Ah, but we are friends. Right, there you go. Yeah. And, and it's weird because it, it gives a specific mechanic for what would happen if you cast in a fight, but I've never even seen somebody try to cast in a fight. No way. It, it's definitely not considered a, a combat spell. And yeah, it's, I like, think... it's like a way of dodging a combat, not mm-hmm. a way of like getting out of one once you've gotten involved in it. It reminds me in uh, Skyrim, there's uh-huh. a social stat that I think you get high enough or maybe a perk or something that you get high enough and you can stop combat with somebody if you start a fight with them. Why would you ever why would you ever do that if you started the fight? Like I Well, don't know. I think I think it's because it, sometimes if you pickpocket people, they try to fight oh, with you right. and yeah. so like there's a certain like way of playing the game where if you just want to go around stealing and not get into fights, I guess you could Well, do and that, then though. that could carry over for this too, right? If you're trying to pickpocket sure. pickpocket everyone, yeah. then you use this cuz if you're just pickpocketing random folks who aren't going to see you again, right? Cuz they know You've cast this on afterwards. Right. right. You get caught. You cast it. Like, oh, my bad. Nice shirt. Goodbye. Give him a little comp. You do a little compliment, you know, just to ease it, ease it through. Ease into that friendly acquaintance. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You do talk about in the notes here that really this is a shortcut into any social network. Like you were saying, if you go before a like a vizier maybe and you want to get an audience with the king well you you know 
viziers maybe would give their friendly acquaintances priority over like or whoever's determining who the king gets an audience with might give priority to their friends Mm -hmm. and so you could potentially slip in that way um you know you might also charm a tomb librarian to get access to the skull of a particularly ancient archmage that's in great demand and everybody wants to go cast speak with dead dead on that archmage's skull but you've charmed the head librarian and so they're Mm. gonna let you do it before all those people who've been waiting in line for uh hours or days but what you come into contact with there is that after you've done that they know you've done it and you could have burned a bridge. This has to be a situation where either you don't really care if later on this person doesn't like you or where the situation is so dire that it's worth that potent, like kind of long-term setback. Yeah. I, I generally uh, don't cast it because I don't want to, people to know that I'm manipulating right, them. Right. Yeah. I think there's probably a... I mean, it's a weird... Sp- the spell is itself is a little bit strange because the drawback is so big. It really does feel <laughs> yeah. insurmountable sometimes. Yeah, that it, that it is generally like, well, why would I cast this then? So it generally is for like throwaway encounters where you don't expect to have to deal with that person again. Um, so using it on big stuff like access to a social network might be something you would second guess. But a little bit later in the episode, I, I do want to talk about how you can get around that. Right. You got a little loophole. A loophole bit of a working. loophole. You got yeah. a bit of a loophole working yeah. for you. While that that drawback really sucks, like as a player. Kind of a deterrent, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it because it exists in the game, it made me think about how society might adjust for that. And And one way I thought of was that entering into big contracts or financial transactions probably requires that you wait under observation for an hour and a minute. Oh, interesting. A holding tank. Right. Yeah. A negotiation holding tank. I'm just thinking like you go to the bank or a notary, like go Uh to, when you go to a notary to like approve a contract, they're going to ask you, okay, well you need to both wait here for an hour and a minute so that we can ensure neither of you are entering this contract charmed and then once that time passes if you guys don't start brawling then yeah we'll stamp get the stamp of approval so there's gonna have to be a third party present for negotiations to uh, uh, everyone just maybe just play chess maybe here here here's a chess set or here's some cards nobody say nothing (laughs) Yeah, I think just probably contracts aren't considered legitimate if they're done but just between two people. Or or there's like a different like kind of legal bindingness to contracts done between two people versus contracts done with a third person present who can verify that this waiting period elapsed and no one was charmed. Yeah, I tell you Benjamin, we love our bureaucracy. Oh boy. <laughs> I think every episode we've created a new pencil pusher, a new rubber stamper, who's just like, this is legitimate. Nobody's been charmed here. You know, I I daylight as a as a government bureaucrat a bit, oh, so I think cool. maybe perhaps that uh, in seeping in, yeah, that might seeping be seeping into in. your yeah. uh, your hobbies. Yeah, it could be. Could be. I just, ooh, I just love. <laughs> I just wish there was another layer of paperwork here. 
<laughs> they call me Benjamin Red Tape Huffman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Along that same vein, I think because of how disruptive the spell could be, it's probably criminalized in most settlements. Well, it's a, it's a manipulation, right? Right. Yeah. Just as just as uh, confidence schemes and and any kind of subterfuge in that way is illegal here. This this is straight up magical manipulation of a person. So yeah, get it out of here. There, I assume that there would be circumstances where it could be used, but I think as a as just an average adventurer, you using it on townspeople would probably be a crime. Like in in, in any culture. That knew about the spell, which I think would be pretty much every culture. If they know about it, it's it. Nobody wants it. it yeah, it's a first level spell that almost every spellcasting class can cast, so it's going to be widely known. I, I wonder how you would go about proving somebody did that. That's true. I mean, besides zone of truth, ah, yeah, that's I mean, a the, very yeah, interesting you might, question. You might, can, you might come into like a she's a witch type of. Uh, accusations of mm-hmm. oh i wouldn't have done that except i guess like that would be the new like i was drunk defense of like oh i was charmed we're getting into some some consent territory which is important because this is all about consent right yeah right and how do you how do you rule detect magic do you rule that once the magic is gone it's just gone do you rule with that do you often like use narratively that there are residues to the magic? Because perhaps if they used a detect magic or some sort of item that could detect magic, they could see that this magic was cast on a person as proof. That's a good point. I generally don't... Uh, the spell doesn't say that there's residue from spellcasting or magical effects. So I generally don't run it that way. But it also really depends on the setting I'm running. I like to use... There's faint magical auras if I need to drop right, some hints. Right, and And I want to reward them for using detect magic at right. all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that spell. I, I really do. And I want people to use it more. So if they use it and it's fun, then I'm like, oh, yeah, you get a little bit of this. You get a little taste of this going on. Is that how you say it, too? Yeah, I do. Every single time. And they're like, ah, uh, it's weird. Yeah, it little would taste. be a little weird if you kept saying it that way. What, what does magic even taste like? What is that, Pop Rocks? I bet it probably is Pop Rocks, especially Evocation. Let's see. Um, conjuration would, would probably, I, I feel like would taste kind of um, like irony, almost like blood for some reason. I don't hmm. know. Hmm. Divination, uh, lemon, lemon pie. Kind of a sharp but sweet. I'm actually going to say cheesecake. Cheesecake for divination. would be a great divination. Because it's, because it's yeah. like the mouthfeel and the kind of like not a neutral flavor, mm-hmm. but it's like it's sort of a... Divine, one might say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's not what I was going to say, but uh, one could say that. Yeah. Cheesecake is divine. Right. If you have any flavors of magic that yeah, you want to please. tell us about you please tweet us because uh this is kind of fun actually it's like synesthesia but for <laughs> but for magic and i i we're not doing the show on detect magic so i i don't know off the top of my head but i don't think detect magic specifies that it's like what kind of sense it replicates so that's true seems as uh legitimate as any other sense 
I'm I'm pretty sure it's a it's a colored aura. It does say colored aura. So you you come over, maybe you smell it, and you're like, hmm, this smells like what's what's one we haven't said yet? Necromancy. <laughs> Go ahead. What does necromancy smell like? I would say necromancy smells like the green waste recycling after a week in the sun, but it had rained earlier yeah, that week. I think the rain is important. The rain is important there, right? Because it needs to putrefy. And it's it's not just like, for some reason, green waste recycling, it's not just like rotten. There's something sinister at the base of that. That was my chore growing up was taking out the trash and recycling and And that's why you feel it's sinister i hate doing work for sure yeah yeah um shouldn't be allowed no get it out of here Hey everybody, Dane here, just wanting to say thank you for all the support you've given us through your downloads, your messages, tweets, and of course sharing the show with others. Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow, along with you rating and reviewing Dispel Magic on whatever podcasting app you use. Benjamin and I would also like to invite you to pledge to our Patreon. You can vote there on future shows, receive weekly show notes, access monthly secret shows, and gain access to our patron-only Discord channel. Thanks again for listening, and as always, happy spelling. Uh, assassins, killers, other criminals, they'd use this spell to uh, manipulate their their targets. Right, right, to get people, I mean, you know, if somebody's a friendly acquaintance to you, you could say, hey, I know this other tavern across town that's cheaper drinks and they're better, let's head there, and then they off you in the alleyway on the on the way there, which is just another reason why I think the spell would be criminalized because for the average person, there's no reason to cast the spell. That's not taking advantage of the person 100%. you're casting it on. So I've, I've said a few times that it would be illegal for most people to cast the spell, but I can imagine that the judicial system, that the legal system would have adopted a few cases where it is appropriate or at least you're not going to get in trouble for using it. Primarily, those are around solving crime. Like, maybe the town guards are able to cast it to get talkative criminals to say something to them about the, about an unsolved crime. Or barristers and lawyers can use it to cast to cast it on, on people, their witnesses they're going to have to take the stand. Get more information out. Yeah, it, yeah. It doesn't guarantee that that person's going to tell you the truth, but you know, generally, you would probably expect that people tell their friendly acquaintances the truth more often yeah. than it gives you that edge up, that leg up. Yeah. Now, Benjamin, are you trying to tell me that law enforcement would employ perhaps illegal tactics that the rest of society is not allowed to do to get their job done? It's a fantasy setting, Dane. Oh. So it's not like the real world right. where okay. oh. there are equal standards for Because <laughs> I was about to say, that seems shitty. I guess to hold law and order together, we got to break some truth eggs. Uh, I Unfortunately, I think that is the position of, of some people. Um, I don't know if I agree with it. But you, it's words out of your mouth, so I guess yeah, that's how you I feel about it. I did say it, it so. with my mouth. Yeah. I did say it. 
one thing I was thinking of is that to just to jump back to the conversation we were having earlier about the drawback is that there are a few ways to neutralize that drawback. The The first way that I'm thinking of is that you could disguise yourself. So no one knows that it's you. You can use that either with a disguise kit. If you've got some kind of criminal background and you have access to that, do that. Otherwise, disguise self is a first level spell also. So you look like someone else, some random person, cast charm person, and then this person that they're the creature you cast it on is mad at this person that doesn't exist at the end of the spell. Just a just a puff of wind, a, a smoke in the room that bl- that blows away, never to be seen again. Ooh, that's right. Another more interesting way of dodging this setback is changes the reason that you use the spell. So it doesn't matter if the person is mad at you later, if the entire reason that you charmed them was to obtain blackmail on them. Oh, there we go. Now we're getting into the nitty gritty. So there's a number of things you do. You don't actually even need to use it to get blackmail on somebody. Although it seems like that'd be a fairly straightforward way of using the spell. You know, I'll tell my friendly acquaintances things that I won't tell strangers. And I got a lot of dirt on you. Yeah. Well, same, same, Dane. So just yeah. remember, if you push <laughs> two-way the, street, if you push the red button, I'll push it too. It's mutually assured One, destruction here. Two, three. Um. So it doesn't just mean it's not just going to apply when you actively are trying to get blackmail from them. It also applies if, over the course of being charmed, you get them to do something you could blackmail them for. Like I was the the first thing that came to mind for me was if I could get a merchant to fence an expensive piece of art that I stole from a noble, and the deal goes through over the course of the time they're charmed, they're just as liable as I am for the fact that they fenced this stolen good. I so love that. they can hate me all they want. They shouldn't retaliate against me, though, because I can implicate them in the crime of fencing this stolen painting. I guess this needs to happen within the hour, then. They need to fence this thing within the hour. Right. I think... In this case, you'd cast the spell on them. I imagine in some kind of like some kind of social context where that could happen, maybe at like an art gallery or whatever else. You need to figure out how to make everything happen within that hour to really work. But if you cast charm person, you've got advantage on social roles against them. They already believe that you're a friendly acquaintance. If you can impress upon them, I need to move this fast. I need to move this now. It's better for you if I don't tell you why. Mm-hmm. Let's just get this sold. Do you know somebody interested in this? And hopefully they do. Yeah, and hopefully they do. And if not, well, that's why you go in disguise, I guess. Yeah. Or whatever else. <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, uh, talking about items, this makes me think that in a world where charm person is prevalent, then there'd be a much higher market for wards against being charmed. I feel like magical items that prevent the charmed condition would be much more sought after. Well, they would, but I, first of all, I don't know off the top of my head, what magical items even do that. Sure. Um, I, well, I, I guess I'm saying that, you know, rules is written or things that are written D and D wise. Maybe there's not a specific one, but if the if the spell exists, then the counter to that spell 
especially something as potent as this must exist as well. You disagree. I Well, yeah. I mean, I think when I come at these episodes, I'm, I'm coming at them from the perspective that what's written in the books is what exists. And what's, okay. not, what's not written in the book doesn't exist for whatever reason. So no. So no, basically. <laughs> fair enough. No, that's fair. I can imagine people wanting something like that. I can imagine there being... So maybe an artificer is like working on this as a player character because they're like, why the fuck is there not a... <laughs> <laughs> an anti-charm device yeah or like some kind of charm like a uh tricorder for charming mm. or mental influence i guess generally you know it's a fun item yeah i mean I-, I can see why there would be a market for such an item but since as uh, according to the books to the magical items found in D D, that there's not such a thing so and certainly not such a thing common that there could be like a a broad market for it. Like the market would mostly be limited to like heads of state and stuff who charming the, or heads of state, heads of big organizations where charming them would have like disastrous consequences for the future of an organization. So perhaps the most powerful way of turning this downside of the spell to your own benefit is that, well, I've already, so I've already covered how you might disguise yourself as a person that doesn't exist. And that would be a way of evading the consequences of casting Charm Person. If you really wanted to weaponize that clause at the end, afterwards the creature knows it was charmed by you. If you wanted to weaponize that, and maybe you even cast the spell for the purpose of weaponizing the clause, you disguise yourself as a person whose reputation you want to ruin or relationships you want to jeopardize. Now we're getting into uh, soap opera territory. This exactly. is uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this is this is high drama. This so, is melodrama. If I dress up like a well-known merchant in the city and then go cast charm person on the head of the assassins guild, then later on and then I leave and later on that assassins guild head realizes that I charmed them. They're not coming after me. They're coming after that merchant I dressed up as. Or disguise myself as. There's a couple of checks that have to happen for this to... to, For sure, yeah. There's some insight checks. There's some persuasion checks, I think, because you are straight lying the entire time um, saying that you're somebody. So there's a couple of hurdles, but if you've got high enough charm, then those are probably going to happen pretty easily. I mean, the first role that's going to happen is that you're probably you're going to make some kind of contested deception or disguise kit check against their perception. And then you cast charm person and they have to fail the saving throw. So those two things have to happen. Once they fail the saving throw though, you have advantage on all charisma Social ability check. checks. That's right. Them. So, I think you're pretty much in the clear after the initial disguise kind of worked and you've cast the spell on them. As long as you don't reveal their identity, I think they're likely to go along with you are who you say you are because they think of you as a friendly acquaintance. I don't often question the true identity of people who I who I believe are my friendly acquaintances. Reading through the notes, I thought of coupling this with Sorcerer's subtle casting with Charm Person. It has the somatic and verbal components. So somebody sees you casting it, and that's that's a big hurdle. So Because then not only, if somebody sees you casting it, not only when that person who's charmed, that duration ends, they know you cast it, but everybody who's looking at you when you cast it knows. It's only really useful if you've got this person one-on-one. 
one-on-one, you're hiding perhaps, or if you can cast it subtly. I think that this would be really useful at parties if you're at a fancy soiree and you're disguised, you're famous loophole, and you're talking to a group of people. You're not going to get these important people by themselves very easily. So, you know, talking to a group and you subtle cast it, oh, you're in. You're in. My, the illusionist, uh, enchanter, sorcerer, con man person definitely had subtle casting for just ex- this exact reason. Well, that's great. I think that probably do us, huh? If you have anything to add to this episode of Dispel Magic about charming people, you can charm us by tweeting at us at Dispel Magic Pod on Twitter. Benjamin, where can people find you? You can find me at Sterling Vermin on Twitter or sterlingvermin.com on the world wide web. The whole world? So I'm told. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Dane in Danger. But he's not, unless he pushes the big red button. The big red button. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you after your next long rest. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Dispel Magic. If this has inspired any ideas for your game, or you have another take on today's topic, please let us know on Twitter, at DispelMagicPod. You can find Benjamin, at Sterling Vermin, and Dane, at Dane in Danger. Thank you to Slim Mittens for our cover art, produced by Benjamin Huffman, produced and edited by Dane Fox McGraw.